All right, we are live. <clears throat> this is Orion Rising. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into this show. All right, it's Friday, the law of one. Right? Good deal. I'm on a little bit earlier. I believe I was hitting five, the five five p.m. hour. Um, that that just makes things pushes things back quite a bit for a Friday night for me. Uh, taking care of mom and that sort of stuff, so I decided to go live at 4 o'clock instead, right? Because <coughs> then if I run long, it's not so bad. If I run long and I go on at 5, it's like 7 by the time I get off here and mom hasn't eaten yet. I am her caregiver. So, share this out, right? We're a little early, but share this out. I'm going to do just that, right? So hold, please, while I do just that. We ended up at the end of session 81 last Friday. So we'll be starting in session 82. Isn't that crazy? Session 82. Wow. That's a lot, right? That's like, a, you, you know, we're like two years into this, right? Something like that, right? A year, almost two now, right? It's insane. When we started doing this, nobody was doing this besides us. Right now it's just me. Sorry, um, Omar's been busy doing his thing, so it hasn't been uh, as easily uh, available. So I just continued doing it myself. Said that I would. Said that I was going to continue doing it until until we actually finished it, and I finish what I start. So um, I'm going to continue doing it. Kind of cool, right? So, sorry, I'm trying to share this out, and my mouse, I need to get a new mouse. My mouse is uh, tripping, right? So, uh, all my mice, I have three mice. I have two laptops and a base computer, and, and I use it so much that the mice are all going bad. It starts to, like, skip and go up and down and up <laughs> some crazy stuff, right? So, that's what I'm in the middle of doing. So, uh, welcome to anybody who's out there in the world who uh, is picking us up. Make sure you share this out to other communities, please. Right? It is Friday night, and Friday night is Law of One. And, you know, what is the Law of One, right? If you're just getting this for the first time, you know, what is the Law of One? Is it the law? Was that like the Law of Attraction, Leo? Well, in a sense, yes, but but no. The Law of Attraction is, is you know, obviously the, you know, the, the, the push and pull of the universe and that which you... Uh, you know, uh, attract and how. This is the laws of the universe. This is the laws of the universe set down by the one true creator and how things actually work, right? So that's pretty intense when you think about that. And, you know, where did this information come from? Well, for me personally, and this is what I, I try to tell people because I'm not trying to sell you just on the law of one by the LL Research Group. Um, what I'm, what I'm doing is, I got and gathered over my lifetime of UFO hunting and alien hunting. I got glimpses of conversation told to me over the years by people about, uh, you know, um, uh, alien conversations about what they talked about. Like, for instance. One of the things that I had heard was from the CIA 
during the 40s when they had the exchange operation going on, um, our people wanted to get information, right, uh, technology, um, that kind of stuff from the aliens. The aliens were talking spirituality, spiritualism, and they kept referring to the one, okay? And that bothered them and drove them nuts. They didn't, they didn't give a shit about religion, spirituality. They wanted technology. And that was one of the things that I was told. So here, here we have aliens actually doing that, talking. And this is the things that I gathered, not just there, but other places as well. Uh, even Whitley Strieber, or Strieber, however you say his name, a lot of people don't think he's credible because he was a science fiction novelist, and then he started writing about um, you know, being abducted and, and whether or not that was real or just made up. He talked about them saying the one, talking about and referring to the one true creator of the universe. I heard that on many, many different places from many different sources, and it's not in the mainstream, right? There's no, David Wilcock doesn't talk about it. Corey Good doesn't, they started but they didn't for a long time either. So there were certain things that we didn't talk about out loud that we had gleaned, and that was one of them. And then somebody said to me, in fact, it was Josie, a, a good friend of mine who was used to be an administrator that helped out. Um, and she uh, took took time off her, and I got into it. She got mad at me and, and uh, didn't talk to me for a while. But she's talking to me again. She's the one who said to me, Leo, this is, you're, you're talking like the law of one. I didn't know what it was. So that was, this is 2020, I think I was in 2018 or 2017, I'm trying to remember, it was 2018 now, I believe, so it's been two years, this month. And um, she, it, that was when I did the first show, she told me about the Law of One, like in September of that year, of 2018, and I was like, what's that? And she goes, you need to look it up, all right? So I did do that, and um, I read the books, right, and there was six books, if you count the first book that wasn't called the Law of One. Um, that was about UFOs and the possibilities of, of UFOs. There's my ugly mug for those of you on the MP4 broadcast. Share this out. <coughs> so I had heard these references about the one, and, you know, I called it the way. That's why if you go to Orion Rising, the page on Facebook right now, you'll see the description is the way, because that's just what I called it. In fact, that's a book that I'm writing as well. The way, the way things are, the way the matrix works, the way the universe works. And... I had learned all these things throughout my life and pieced it together the way I thought the universe worked. And it turned out I was right. Not 100%, but I was, I was you know, 90% of what I thought I found out was true. It's just like when I wrote Ancient Aliens, the book, that was based on uh, the History Channel's uh, theory of ancient aliens and the possibility of them being here. And I said, what if that was true? What if like Dan Brown did with the Da Vinci Code. What if this were true? So I made up a scenario to the best of my knowledge, the way, just knowing I'm from a military family, everyone in my family's in the military or was in the military, or actually was, nobody currently is. Well, some of the grandkids might be. Not my grandkids, but my great uncle, or great nephews and nieces, probably. Okay, so military family, all my friends were military, their families were all military families. Right. So we had inside information from, you know, deep state shit. 
And then being connected to the IRA, we also had connections to deep state shit because we were deep state in Ireland. So I put all that stuff together and then I come across the law of one, which lays it out for you. Right. It's laid out. Unfortunately, it's laid out in the terms of, you know, like a um, nuclear physicist. So the verbiage is kind of hard for people to understand. So after reading it, I decided that I needed to help translate it. There's other people that do the same thing. LL Research Group now does the same thing. Okay, so there's other people that, that help explain the, the, you know, everything that's going on, what raw means to interpret that into layman's terms for people to understand. Some people get it really quickly because they're already past that level of education which you get from the universe in what we call downloads, right, or memory bubbles, some people call them. And that's when you, uh, that works with everything. Everything that there is in the nature of the universe, the nature itself in the universe, you can be self-taught, and as you gain wisdom and experience, you gain knowledge. What you do with that knowledge is your free will. So if you want to take the knowledge you gain from the universe and use it for evil purposes, you can. That's the whole purpose of being here at this place is to decide whether you're going to be a good soul or a bad soul for the rest of your time doing that, okay? On your road to ascension back to the one, however million, many millions and billions of years that takes. I don't know the answer to that because time is linear here. So for us, we're traveling closer than to the speed of light than most other people are. Our vibration here in 3D reality is closer to the speed of light than anyone else. So for us, time, we're moving so fast, time is not a constant here, or in a sense it is a constant here that we perceive now as now. And we perceive what just happened as behind us in the past, not happening currently, and what is to come is not happening now because we haven't gotten there yet. So we're very linear moving through time when outside of this box that we're in, time does not operate that way. If we were to slow down, right, slow down our vibration away from the speed of light, we would catch up to time by going slower, catching up to time. Right now we're moving faster than time. So time is perceived now to us. And for some people, that's, a, a, that's where you get the quantum weirdness when it comes to quantum reality as opposed to the physical reality when you break it down to a subatomic level and you get that far in, you can't tell the difference between up, down, right, left, and what is a piece of wood, my finger, the, from a molecule in this ring are identical. That's what happens when all of space-time happens now. And that's everywhere outside of this 3D reality that we're in. These are the things that I do know that I have learned over time. Learned over time. Even that's a joke. That's a nerdy joke. Okay. So we are in or at session 82. So, I, you know, now, now that I've wasted 12 minutes talking about that and explaining that, we'll go ahead and get started on that. Okay. So let me switch cameras here uh, to there. And that's the studio. I'll switch that to the YouTube channel. I'm using, I always use Muffy Moose, Muffy Moose, get that word out, Muffy Moose 
is a group of people on Facebook, a channel on Facebook. They have LL Research approved material, all books on video with the words for you to see and the computer reading them. And I use them exclusively. Um, so go and give them a thumbs up, guys, because they've left it up knowing that I use it. Um, they've never squawked, never complained. They, uh, so go there and, and uh, you know watch their videos and give them some uh, credit for this. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and go into widescreen. This is session 82. This happened on on March 27th, 1982. This is part one of two for session 82. So let me make sure that you, uh, we're seeing what, yeah, yeah, you're seeing what I'm seeing. So I want to make sure I did that. Let's go full screen. We'll start. The Law of One. By Ra, a humble messenger of the Law of One. I am Ra. I greet you, my friends, in the love and in the light of the one infinite creator. We communicate now. Question 82.1 Questioner, could you first please give me the condition of the instrument? Answer, I am Ra. It is as previously stated. Question 82.2 Questioner, is there anything at all that we could do that we are not doing, besides eliminating the contact, to increase the physical energy of the instrument? Answer, I am Ra. Julie, welcome. Please share. Anybody out there who hasn't said hi, I see there's a bunch of people in the crowd. Give us a thumbs up or say hi. And I apologize for the, uh, oh, Bill. Bill, welcome, brother. I see you give me the thumbs up there. Uh, and I apologize for the uh, for jumping out of full screen there for a second. I forgot to turn the sound up for you guys to hear Ra on the soundboard. So I had to jump back into the studio really quickly. So here we go. There is the possibility probability that the whirling of the water with spine erect would alter somewhat the distortion towards what you call pain which this entity experiences in the dorsal region on a continuous level. This in turn could aid in the distortion towards increase of physical energy to some extent. Question 82.3 Questioner, Jim has a personal question that has not to be published. He asks, it seems that my balancing work has shifted from more peripheral concerns such as patience impatience, to learning to open myself in unconditional love, to accepting on myself as whole and perfect, and then to accepting myself as the creator. If this is a normal progression of focus for balancing, wouldn't it be more efficient once this is discovered for a person to work on the acceptance of the self as creator rather than work peripherally on the secondary and tertiary results of not accepting the self? Answer. I am Ra. The term efficiency has misleading con. See, like like that where he said secondary and tertiary. Tertiary means third, right? So sometimes they use words raw will, or in this case, it was uh, Don the questioner using using a word that that is because Don is in fact a nuclear physicist. Okay, so he is a genius and he speaks like that. I had to t to teach myself not to for a long time because I was Sheldon. I have a nephew that is Sheldon now, too, in fact, that are Sheldon, just the same. We had to learn filters because we were super smart, right? My one nephew is, in fact, autistic, and he's super genius, and he's learning filters that we that we don't learn. When you get around academics and you all speak like nerds, that's the way you end up speaking, right? Scientific lingo. Uh, in fact, when I was interviewing uh, for uh, on our, my Ancient Aliens page that um, in the group, uh, we had, um, what's his name, I can't think of his name, Penniston from uh, the Rendlesham Forest, the guy that was actually there that night, and we were interviewing him, and I got I got to talk, and I was being the producer, and and, uh, 
and uh, Mandy was Mandy Wilson was she's the one to put the whole thing together. She was interviewing, and at one point I thought, okay, nobody's asking him any tough questions, so I popped a question in there to him, and he perked up, and and uh, Mandy gave me the high sign, keep going, you got him, you got him on a roll. So I I then got a little bit deeper, and I started talking about CIA stuff that I knew, and then I started talking about temporal displacement, and and then he says, oh no, you got to talk to my to my uh, partner, the guy that uh, co-wrote the book with him. He's the scientist, and you're speaking the words that he and the CIA talk, and I don't know what they mean. <laughs> he says, and he was a smart guy. He was in the Air Force. But we uh, we got going about things that he just it was above his pay grade. And so I have to learn to uh, make sure that I use words that people can understand because unless I'm talking to academics, and then I can start talking that nerd language that we speak. It's the same thing with mathematics, right? If anybody, you guys know math, you know, especially if you get into applied, you know, above calculus, uh, you know, you, then it's the same thing. You have these nerd conversations and you know, theories the same way. Okay, here we go. Annotations. In the context of doing work in the disciplines of the personality, in order to be of more full efficiency in the central acceptance of the self, it is first quite necessary to know the distortions of the self which the entity is accepting. Each thought and action needs must then be scrutinized for the precise foundation of the distortions of any reactions. This process shall lead to the more central task of acceptance. However, the architrave must be in place before the structure is builded. Question 82.4 Questioner, I would like to consider the condition at a time or position just prior to the beginning of this octave of experience. I am assuming that, just prior to the beginning of this octave, intelligent infinity had created and already experienced one or more previous octaves. Is this correct? Answer, I am Ra. You are assumed correctly. However, the phrase would more informatively read, infinite intelligence had experienced previous octaves. Question 82.5 See, now, <clears throat> you have to understand that everything in the universe has to do with harmonic resonance, okay? Everything in the universe has a vibration. That vibration has a sound, okay? And one of the um, one of the videos, one of the one of the, I think it was the Law of One episode when uh, Omar was on. He he played background sound that has been recorded from a planet in our solar system, and you they have a sound. They resonate at a sound at a frequency. Everyone does. You do, I do, everything does. Everything that is alive or was alive that, or in this reality vibrates. And, and everything we are, all of our energy does the same thing. And we all inter-effect uh, inter one another like raindrops on a pond or the ocean. The rippling goes out in every direction and all the ripples overseed, overlap, supersede other ripples they come in contact with each other and that is everything that happens with all of us with our thoughts with our feelings with our energy our emotions our vocal uh, you know sound effects like me speaking to you now that vibration you hear uh, you you know you you discern what I'm saying because your brain had knows this language because it's learned this language so therefore when I put the sounds together they come across to, to into your ear your brain figures it out and knows what it means gives it a value that you've applied to it that's why curse words certain curse words make people angry because they're pre they prejudge that word and they put that that as a trigger button in their brain that if this word is said to me or at me I am to react this way. 
and then you get really mad or you laugh right when someone says something funny uh, so everything is that way everything the universe the reality itself is that way and that's what he's talking about here he's talking about he says here you know uh, I, I assume that you know he says well you assume correctly however the phrase would have now the way he has said it and the reason I'm stopping here because it's a subtle nuance but he says I'm assuming this is uh, the questioner again Don I'm assuming that just prior to the beginning of this octave intelligent infinity had created and already experienced one or more previous octaves is this correct Ra said you assume correctly however the phrase would have been more aforementedly read infinity and infinite intelligence had experienced previous octaves that's very small but it's but it, it changes the meaning now why why is that important let's go back to what he said just prior to the beginning of this octave intelligent infinite infinite intelligent infinity had created and already experienced one or more previous octaves and then he said the phrase would have been more affirmatively read infinite intelligence instead of intelligent infinity infinite intelligence had experienced past tense previous octaves so experienced one or more previous octaves but instead of, he said intelligent infinity, and he said infinite intelligence. Do you see? It's very subtle, but it totally changes the perspective on a grandiose scale, on a very large scale, as to what he's telling you you're dealing with here. Intelligent infinity, no, infinite intelligence. Do you understand? That's why I stopped there. It's a small point. But it is really, really pivotal in your mind's eye to understand exactly how big he's trying to show you that the one creator of the universe is. Not intelligent infinity, but infin infinite intelligence. Do you see? Most people pass that over and don't even notice that, and they just go, oh, yeah, right. So these are the small things that I tend to find in here that I know no one no one translates that no and I listen to other people and their version of doing like I'm doing and I'm not saying that they're wrong I'm just saying they find things I don't and and see things in a way that I don't everybody's a, you know it's it's introspective so when that happens I love to hear that and go I didn't see it that way because of their experiences that they have personally in their life is different than the ones that I have had even if we're similarly brought up in the in both in the United States different states different things happen different people we could be in the same city do you understand the because of the infinite possibilities right I know it sounds like I'm rambling sometimes but trust me in the end you'll go wow he was setting that up in the beginning of what he said like an hour ago he doesn't ramble as much as people thinks he does or say he does Questioner, does Ra have any knowledge of the number of previous octaves? If so, how many? Answer, I am Ra. As far as we are aware we are in an infinite creation. There is no counting. Question 82.6 Questioner, that's what I thought you might say. Am I correct in assuming that at the beginning of this octave, out of what I would call a void of space, 
seeds of an infinite number of galactic systems such as the Milky Way galaxy appeared and grew in spiral fashion simultaneously? Answer, I am Ra. They are dupe areas of potential confusion. Firstly, let us say that the basic concept is reasonably well stated. Now we address the confusions. The nature of true simultaneity is such that, indeed, all is simultaneous. However, in your modes of perception you would perhaps more properly view the seeding of the creation as that of growth from the center or core outward. The second confusion lies in the term, void. We would substitute the noun, plenum. Question 82.7. Questioner. Okay, so now I'm having a deja vu that we've already gone over this, so I think we have. There was something weird that had happened um, last week, and I thought we were on session 84, and it turned out we were actually only on 81, and I don't remember, or I should say I have a memory of doing 82, 83, and on to 84. However, uh, there's no, none of that online anywhere or any of my archives on my computer, so I now know that the memory that I'm having is false, but I'm still having it. <laughs> okay. So if you guys remember it with me, um, then good. If you don't, and this is the first time we're coming through here for you, uh, those of you who watch my show or listen to my show all the time, um, if you go, wait, didn't we cover this already? Then I have that same memory, but I can't find anything that shows that anywhere on any of my computers or any of the places that I post my show or anywhere I record it. Okay, and I haven't read this for two years, session 82, and right now I know we covered it. I remember this. So, bizarre, okay? So, just like when he's talking about here now with the spiral again, okay, the, the problem that we have in this reality is that the scientists have created what we call zero point energy, being the, the uh, placelessness, being the no energy output as absolute zero. So they've used the term zero point for that. And that meaning confuses people when you get to him describing the spiral and the center. And here Don said void. He's meaning the zero point. But the problem with that is that you need to be more in the thinking of Stargate the movie in Stargate SG-1 and their explanation of zero-point energy and the ZPM, the zero-point modulator that's used to open a wormhole, that's more accurate to reality in the universe than the theory that void of energy is that point. Because it's not. It's where the convergence of energy begins and ends. Do you understand that? It is the alpha and the omega. It is the beginning and the end. That's why when you look at the Bible, he says, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the zero point modulation. The, that which controls as above so below, through 3, 6, and 9. Okay? The 3 energy is our energy, the human energy. We are the 3 factor on the course, outgoing, constantly outgoing, spiraling around, outwards, away from the center. 
nature is the not is the six energy constantly spiraling down into the creation and some would suggest that it's the opposite way around that nature is coming out from the center and we are going into the center but again that's introspective because depending on where you assign it you are both things at once you are all things at once but you have to have the separate courses to track the three and the six and then the nine is the god energy the zero point modulation the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end and that zero point is what encapsulates the energy and does not allow it to continue to spiral outward forever everything goes out to a certain point and then flips back over and begins its descent back inside and when it gets to the zero point that place of alpha and omega beginning and end the zero point modulation then sends it back spiraling outward once again forever for infinity hence the figure eight being the infinity number that's a one dimensional representation of the globe that is the Taurus not Taurus the bull Taurus which is the big giant circle with the hole in the center where the energy modulates all the way out and back in and all the way out and back in as above so below is the three six and nine energy which is the energy of this planet the energy that governs this planet there is the energy out in space above the planet that they are now detecting okay we are driving the energy here nature is driving the energy here we are all one at that point zero point the God particle the God mass the God energy is in that zero point and in every strand of energy spiraling outwards and inwards at the same exact time that's a crazy concept to even grasp and that's why he said right there that the void term would not be a suitable term a more suitable noun would be plenum look that word up okay so let's continue then, if I were observing the beginning of the octave at that time through our telescope, say from this position, would I see the center of many, many galaxies appearing and each of them then spreading outward in a spiraling fashion over what we would consider billions of years, but the spirals spreading outward in approximately what we would consider the same rate so that all these galaxies began as the first speck of light at the same time and then spread out at roughly the same rate. Is this correct? Answer, I am Ra. The query has confusing elements. There is a center to infinity. From this center all spreads. Therefore, there are centers to the creation, to the galaxies, to star systems, well, computer, to planetary systems, and to consciousness. In each case you may see growth from the center outward. Thus you may see your query as being overgeneral in concept. Question 82.8 .8. Questioner Considering only our Milky Way galaxy at its beginnings, I will assume that the first occurrence that we could find with our physical apparatus was the appearance of a star of the nature of our Sun. Is this correct? Answer, I am Ra. 
In the case of the galactic systems the first manifestation of the Logos is a cluster of central systems which generate the outward swirling energies producing, in their turn, further energy centers for the Logos or what you would call stars. Question 82.9 Questioner, are these central original creations or clusters what we call stars? Answer, I am Ra. This is correct. However, the closer to the, shall we say, beginning of the manifestation of the Logos the star is, the more it partakes in the one original thought. Question 82.10 Questioner, why does this partaking in the original thought have a gradient radially outward? That's the way I understand your statement. Answer, I am Ra. This is the plan of the one infinite creator. The one original thought is the harvest of all previous, if you would use this term, experience of the creator by the creator. As it decides to know itself it generates itself, into that plenum full of the glory and the power of the one infinite creator which is manifested to your perceptions as space or outer space. Each generation of this knowing begets a knowing which has the capacity, through free will, to choose methods of knowing itself. Therefore, gradually, step by step, the Creator becomes that which may know itself, and the portions of the Creator partake less purely in the power of the original word or thought. The Creator does not properly create as much as it experiences itself. Question 82 So you see, so that, that explanation there suggests that we are all the Creator experiencing ourselves as individuals in infinite possibilities of things that could and and do occur simultaneously all at once even though we think that we are completely separate and individuals we are partly because we're part of the first creation the first logos what was Logos? We know that Logos was the word. What was the word? The word was love. So the first original thought was that. And everything that spawned from that spawns off of that and because of that. From that and is a part of that, which is a part of the one. So the creator did not create individuals more than the creator became individuals. became something that is experiencing in an infinite vast of other things that is experiencing from a slightly different standpoint. Set in motion, that becomes completely singular experiences because of the parameters of the universe that everything is affecting everything. So everything, like the, this conversation is changing you and me forever. And when you say you turn this off and you go and listen to somebody else, what they're talking about, no matter what it is they're talking about, is going to affect you for the rest of your life in everything that you do. These are the small things that people like myself and many other hundreds of thousands of people, even millions of people around the planet, understand. But you see, on a level that most people don't understand is that the bad people know that too. And they know that they can drive the narrative 
by forcing that narrative on you over and over and over and over and over again, even in slightly different ways that mean the same thing to keep you in a certain place to keep control of you. And that's what they've done. They've exploited knowing how to manipulate the matrix to manipulate it and you to their advantage so that they're in charge at all times. And that you don't know it. The less you know, the better off they are. And they flaunt it. They have to. They're evil. They have to flaunt it. They want to put it in your face so they can laugh and gain more power by, by going, I put this right in their face. And they have no idea what it even means. Uh, today, just today, I didn't know this, but Mandy, we were looking at something, and she said, what does the red shoe have to do with, like, other than, you know, uh, Alice going wanting to go home? I said, you know, I'm not quite sure, so she looked it up. And she was like, the red shoes are human skin. means human skin. So there's all these movie stars, actors, moguls. They all wear the same red shoe from the same company. Those are people that are pedophiles. And they flaunt it by everybody, but all of them wearing the red shoes and taking a picture with their red shoes, all the same red shoe. Okay? And that's that's like pedophilia. And there's some people that say cannibalism. They eat children. Murder them. Drink their blood. Crazy shit. Okay? And I, I, like, I have a pair of red Converse. <laughs> I'm like, God, I hope people don't think I'm a pedophile because I have those. Like, I got those because my niece was getting married, and she wanted all the groomsmen to wear the, we all wore a black instead of white. His Her, her wife wore all white with pink Converse, and all the women wore the pink Converse, and all the men wore red, and we wore black uh, tuxedos with red ties, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. So it was black on red, and she, had, she didn't do it because of the, you know, Illuminati, <laughs> right? But some would say the black and the red means that she's Illuminati. I know she's not. I know for a fact she's not. I don't think she even, she doesn't even buy into that. Doesn't believe any of that stuff. Doesn't, doesn't, politics, nothing. Uh Uh-uh, no, big laugh. That's the way she is. And then when it comes to that, she's like, that's crazy shit. It's whatever, man. Crazy, stupid stuff. So I have them. I like them because they're different. But now I'm like, wow, now I took pictures of me wearing red converse. But it's not the same shoe that they all wear, though. Right? They all wear the same shoe. I'm not going to mention that on the air. You guys can look it up. I was literally looking at that going, wow. I literally, a, a one minute before I went live. I was looking at the photos. Okay. So there's a lot of confusion when you get to that level of things that are, that are going on here in, this, in the energy in the beginning. And that's why Don's asking questions to get some light on the on the subject okay and i I like let's continue because this is it gets good here okay 2.11 questioner what was the form condition or experience of the first division of consciousness that occurred at the beginning of this octave at the beginning of this galactic experience answer i am ra we touch upon previous material 
the hob. See, that makes me feel better because he's saying we've already talked about this, so maybe my deja vu is not, in fact, no, I know it was because I thought we were on 84. <laughs> Visited the previous octave was the creator of love manifested in mind, body, and spirit. This form of the creator experiencing itself may perhaps be said to be the first division. Question 82.12 Questioner, I was interested specifically in how this very first division showed up in this octave. I was interested to know if it made the transition through first, second, third, fourth, etc. densities. I would like to take the first mind, body, spirit complexes and trace their experience from the very start to the present so that I could better understand the condition that we are in now by comparing it with this original growth. Could you please tell me precisely how this came about as to the formation of the planets and growth through the densities, if that is the way it happened, please? Answer, I am Ra. Your queries seem more confused than your basic mental distortions in this area. Let us speak in general and perhaps you may find a less confused and more simple method of eliciting information in this area. A very great deal of creation was manifested without the use of the concepts involved in consciousness, as you know it. The creation itself is a form of consciousness which is unified, the Logos being the one great heart of creation. The process of evolution through this period, which may be seen to be timeless, is most valuable to take into consideration, for it is against the background of this essential unity of the fabric of creation that we find the ultimate development of the Logwa which chose to use that portion of the harvested consciousness of the Creator to move forward with the process of knowledge of self. As it had been found to be efficient to use the various densities, which are fixed in each octave, in order to create conditions in which self-conscious sub-Logwa could exist. This was carried out throughout the growing flower-strewn field, as your simile suggests, of the one infinite creation. The first beings of mind, body, and spirit were not complex. The experience of mind, body, spirits at the beginning of this octave of experience was singular. There was no third density forgetting. There was no veil. The lessons of third density are predestined by the very nature of the vibratory rates experienced during this particular density and by the nature of the quantum jump to the vibratory experiences of fourth density. Question 82.13 Questioner, am I correct, then, in assuming the first mind, body, spirit experiences as this galaxy progressed in growth, were the... Okay, sorry, I want to stop right there really quickly. Because what he said right there was a lot, right? So he's explaining there the processes, how things went, how things got to where they are now, showing that prior to this, it wasn't like this, right? But I love how he says, as it has been found to be efficient to use the various densities, which are fixed in each octave in order to create conditions in which self-conscious sub-logos could exist. This was carried out throughout the grown, the growing flower-strewn field, as your um, uh, simuli suggest, meaning that they used nature to grow things that were alive that eventually were in a setting to where they could become self-aware. The first beings of mind, body, and spirit were not complex. They are not complex. The experience of mind, body, spirit, and the beginning of the uh, of this octave of experience was singular. 
There was no third density forgetting like we have now. There was no veil. The lessons of the third density are predestined by the very nature of the vibratory rate experienced during this particular density and by the nature of the quantum jump to the vibratory experiences of the fourth density. That is crazy big, right? Okay, so the experience of the mind-body-spirit, that's our human existence, mind-body-spirit at the beginning of this octave of experiences was, sin was singular. There was no third density forgetting. There was no veil. The lessons of the third density, I'm reading it over again, right, are predestined by the very nature of the vibratory rates experienced during this particular density. So everything that happens to us here are, is predestined to do so so that we will then grow because the particular this density and, and by the nature of the quantum jump to the vibratory experience of the fourth density. So because it's, it's driven by our experience that we are currently going through now. Now, now, okay? Which everything prior to this is leading up to this place now because it's not just... And this is why I'm pointing this out. It's not just a movement from first density to second density to third density to fourth density. It's a quantum jump to the vibratory experience of the fourth density. Okay, so that's a, a very large space, a very large gap that we are jumping from third to fourth here. Okay. So that's why there's so much weirdness that goes on, like I was talking about before with the deja vu, as you're vibrating closer to making that jump, you start to see yourself in both places at the same time. And that's how you get the deja vus, because you're there, but you're not fully there yet, so you're still here, now, now. Okay, so being rooted in the now, now, I came back to the now, now to here, to help people get to the fourth. I've already been there. People like me that have already been there have an easier time or a harder time staying here than going there. When we relax and rest, we jump to there because we don't fit here. Do you see? That's why we have so many physical problems here. Everyone who is a wanderer, Everyone who has come here, and if, and, and, and and some people that, um, oh, yeah, Peter's talking about the red shoes. Right. I didn't know any of that stuff that uh, Peter Peter says the symbols associated with the red uh, tube. It says, but I think he was saying, saying shoe. It's the symbol of, of hope for uh, GBT community. Um, I just said I thought the part this uh, of the red shoe. Yeah, see, so he, he caught that it was he meant shoe. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't understand. I didn't know that either. I, I Honestly, I'll be honest with you, Peter. I didn't know that. So uh, so they're also corrupting that. You see, they, they take the, the, the evil people, take everything from uh, anything that's good, and they corrupt it, right? They take, the, you know, hand signals that we use, like the American Sign Language for I love you. People look at that and go, that's a cabal, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, Illuminati symbol. No, it means I love you. It's sign language, American sign language. And they're like, yeah, but the, the cabal do it. So the same thing with just about every symbol, you know, that rock and roll symbol that everybody uh, says, uh, you know, with the two fingers, the, the pointer finger and the pinky finger, and, and you make a fist, and everyone's like, that's the, the cabal. That's the, the Illuminati symbol, the symbol of the devil. And, and they've did, they did the same thing with the cross, guys, the upside-down cross. Uh, they took the cross, turned it upside down, and used it for bad. They took the star um, that, that was the pentacle, five-pointed star with a point up. They flipped it upside down so that they could fit the goat head in there and made that evil. Uh, they do that with everything that's good. They corrupt it and use it for evil because they're trying to diminish the power of that. They took the swastika and used it for evil, and the swastika has been forever, thousands, uh, thousands and th- tens of thousands of years. It has been a good luck charm, a charm to ward off evil. It has been, uh, you know, uh, 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 in that in the he, the Hindu uh, religion for longer than Jesus has been all, uh, dead from the earth, and it was not ever evil until the Nazis adapted it and used it, and now it's sem- seen as a symbol of evil. So they take holy symbols and they corrupt them. And, you know, so you have the people wearing the red shoes for pedophilia and they stole the whole red thing from the, uh, um, you know, the GBT community who were using that for, as Peter said, hope for them not being pedophiles, but that they would be recognized as just like they do with the rainbow. Right. The rainbow is a beautiful thing. And it's actually the color spectrum of light in in this particular three dimensional reality. So when you have rain happening and the sun shines through that, it separates those particles into the waves of each particle of light emission, and you see the rainbow effect. So they've used that as a symbol for the gay community and the LGBTQ, I always say that wrong, I get a tongue-tied community, the the gay, lesbian, uh, transsexual, uh, uh, bi uh, community. And... They use that for for their hope for uh, for them, like a secret code, you know, that doesn't make it evil. But then you would have the Illuminati steal it and make it something evil to diminish the power of positive thought on that. So that's what they do. Yeah, I'm reading what Peter said. When your upside down uh, cross was turned uh, upside down. Yeah, Peter, right. Peter was sacrificed upside down. Uh, on St. Peter was sacrificed. He didn't want to be sacrificed the way that Jesus was because he felt that to be a blasphemy. So he he wanted to be uh, crucified upside down. So it actually means that it's the, the Holy Cross of St. Peter. He's right. So if you're Catholic, Irish, especially an Irish Catholic, we know that. Right. And I was going to mention that, but I thought I'd keep the Catholicism out of that. But Peter had to the Christians got to put it in there. Right. So I went ahead and, and threw that in there because I am a minister. Um, so I was wanting to mention that. But that's what they did. So they took that. And they turned that into their evil symbol, do you see? And the cross is actually wrong anyways because they didn't uh, crucify on a cross. It was an X, and they called that X a cross, okay, because they didn't have the, the, the letter X, so they didn't call it the letter X. But that's a cross. That's why when you see the, the you know, the, the um, uh, cross marks the spot, right? X marks the spot for the, for the, the gold, for the pirate's gold. They they had people uh, strung up that way, so it was an X. It wasn't actually a cross the way everybody thinks that it was, so that's actually wrong, and you know, there's something they got wrong somewhere in history and uh, didn't use the original because no one got crucified that way. If you look back in Roman history, it was an X because that you know they put you up on the same wooden uh, thing, first of all, and then the spikes were all in the wrong place. 
Jesus didn't have spikes in his hands, like they say. They, the Romans put it in your wrist, behind your wrist, so that you couldn't slip out. If, you're, if you have spikes through your hands, you can tear between your, two, your fingers. You can rip the skin off between your two fingers and free yourself. Same thing with your foot. If they put it in your foot, you can rip it out between your toes, between the knuckles of your toes, and get away. So they put it above the ankle or at the ankle level so that you have. there's no way for you to slip off without tearing out the spike out of the wood. And similarly, they put it in your wrists, uh, above your wrist, not in your hand, on your arm, between the bones in your arm. Okay, so the so the, all of that's wrong because that's not how people would be crucified because Jesus wouldn't be able to stay on the cross, nailed to the cross that way. His weight would have him tear out through his toes, because he would have he would be up on his toes with one foot on top of the other foot, facing downward, and all of his weight would be pressing downward. Your body's natural instinct at that point is to flay the knees out to the side. Because you're, otherwise you're, you're using your own strength to stand up, which hurts. So when you let your body slide down, your, your uh, feet go out to the side. As soon as that happens, you'll start sliding down further and further until you're sitting on, the, on, the, uh, on your own feet, which will pry your feet away from the, the spike, and eventually you'll be sitting on the spike on your ass. But your feet are going to come loose, and you're no longer going to be tacked into the ground. Similarly, when you lose your strength and start sliding down that way, your hands are going to turn. They're not going to stay out at the cross uh, level. Even if they have you tied uh, after that, your hands are going to turn, and they're going to start to slide with your body, which means it's going to naturally rip out through your skin. So it's illogical, and, and it doesn't take much of a scientist to understand the physics of it. So if you're up in the air like that, you have to be in a place where the you can't your your body weight won't free you. And the way they claim Jesus was crucified, his own body weight would would free him. Do you understand? And so it becomes when it becomes a question of I can tear in between my fingers, rip my hand open, but get loose, or just stay the fuck up here. You're gonna you're gonna do that. Your hand you can make your hand heal. Do you understand? You can put it back together. <laughs> you can put bandages on it, and your body will heal. Okay? You may not heal back, but you're still alive. Do you understand? So when it comes to that, you will make that decision. If I can pull this out, that's like Conan the Barbarian, where he was. they had him crucified, and he decided he wanted to live, and he actually used his own strength and peeled the, the, the stake out of the wood. Right, still in his hand, <laughs> and then reached over and yanked the other one out, and then got the ones out of his feet and fell to the ground. He survived. He didn't die, right? I mean, and that's that's what you would do. He was strong enough to to make that decision. I I'm not going to sit here. I'm going to die, and so I have to use my what little strength I have left and pull these spikes out or pull them out of my skin, or my skin through it. You'd be surprised what you do when your life depends on it, right? The whole fabled um, Grendel, the Vendo, chewed off his own arm to get away. They had him caught. He chewed his own arm off, ripped it off to get away. That's the fabled story anyway. Those that moved through the densities, that is, the process we have discussed coming out of second density. For instance, let us take a particular planet, one of the very early planets formed near the center of the galaxy. I will assume that the planet solidified during the first density, that life appeared in second density, 
and that all of the mind-body-spirit complexes of third density progressed out of second density on that planet and evolved in third density. Is this correct? Answer, I am Ra. This is hypothetically correct. Question 82.14 Questioner, did this in fact happen on some of the planets or on a large percentage of the planets near the center of this galaxy in this way? Answer, I am Ra. Our knowledge is limited. We know of the beginning but cannot asseverate to the precise experiences of those things occurring before us. You know the nature of historical teaching. At our level of learned teaching we may expect little distortion. However, we cannot, with surety, say there is no distortion as we speak of specific occurrences of which we were not consciously a part. It is our understanding that your supposition is correct. Thus we so hypothesize. Question 82.15 Questioner, specifically, I am trying to grasp an understanding of the process of experience in third density before the veil so that I can better understand the present process. As I understand, it the mind, body, spirits went through the process of what we call physical incarnation in this density but there was no forgetting. What was the benefit or purpose of the physical incarnation when there was no forgetting? Answer, I am Ra. The purpose of incarnation in third density is to learn the ways of love. See, now, <clears throat> I'm pausing it here just for a second. This is that's the end of the first part of the session, 82, and it's going to go on to the next video here in a second when I let it. Uh, see, so he, he's saying that the third density is to learn love. And in these days, we're saying that exclusively that's what it is in the fourth. That's why when Jesus was here, he talks so much about love because he came back here from the fourth and he still had a lot of that knowledge within him. And he as he got older from a child, as he was getting older, all of that woke up in him and he remembered what he was here to do and learned things here that triggered those memories. And, and then all of that started coming through. And so he was trying to show that here is where we're supposed to be learning all of these things individually that are going to happen to us later, but that love is the transitional, that love is what you need. Now you come forward in time, right? There's the song by the Beatles or by John Lennon, Love is All You Need. John Lennon understood this. That's why they killed him. John Lennon understood this, that love is all you need. You know, all you need is love. Listen to the song. He says that in the song. They say that in the song. Okay, and there is and that is truth. There's truth in that. Well, it's, uh, when I say that, it's the same thing. Truth is love. Love is truth, right? That's that's just like in philosophy 101. You know, philosophy is the love of knowledge or the knowledge of love. Philosophers get that, right? They you you understand that the love of knowledge is the quest of love, or it's the love or it's the right. So it's an endless cycle. You love knowledge so much because you know that knowledge is love. So the more you learn, the more you know, but then the more you know you, that you don't really know anything. The more you learn, the more you know that there is so much more for you to learn that you really don't know anything in the perspective of the grandiose scale, how large scale that it is. Right? <coughs> so what is Lisa, Lisa says here, Santana drama is the Hindu way of life. We teach the creator. Did I say that right? Santana Dharma. Sorry, I didn't see there are there. Santana Dharma is the Hindu way of life. We teach the creator is found within ourselves. Correct. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, it is us 
an individual to seek the consciousness within ourselves. Agreed. 100%, Lisa. Namaste. Uh, sadly, our teachings were exploited. Unfortunately, that's what they do with all uh, of the teachings. They exploit that. Right? So, hold on. Let me see here. Um, our teachings were exploited and erased from invaders who trampled right who trampled our belief systems and unfortunately that's what they did right uh, and we, they still do that now they go in and they sack somebody and then they destroy everything that is theirs uh, all the memory everything they can to destroy to try and wipe that out because they want their way to be the best way the Romans were the greatest at doing that weren't they um, sadly our teachings were exploited and trampled by the beliefs of the the way in the in all religions right the the evil ones use the teachings of the sacred books which were manipulated also frequencies and vibrations are used to achieve this through meditation channeling mantras um, and uh, the, the greatest vibration field is love correct and it, it, that is true. They did that with, uh, you look at the, the Catholic religion, you, you look at the, the Christian religion, you look at the Hebrew religion, you look at all religions, and, you know, up to and including uh, the Hindu religion and the, and the um, uh, um, uh, Mohammedism. I, I can't think of what it's called right now. I, I, I apologize for that. They've taken the concept that was a good concept and they have, uh, and they have um, warped it. And made it evil. There was a time in the south of France that w is where um, Her uh, Holy Mary escaped to when Peter usurped the church after Jesus' death. She left and was exiled, went to the south of France. They started up a religion there that was exactly the teachings of Jesus. And eventually they got big enough to where they actually started making claims that the the church in Rome, which I believe was in France at that time before they moved it back, but that's not really neither here nor there. But the church was being run the wrong way by evil usurpers and that that was not the way Jesus was teaching. So the current Roman Catholic Church sent their holy knights to the south of France and murdered two million people to wipe that religion off the face of the earth. And the only reason we know that it's still here, that, it, that that happened, is because uh, two people, or they say three, escaped with the knowledge, which was also supposedly the knowledge of the Holy Grail. And that's where Dan Brown based his book on that. You can find this in uh, the book uh, Holy Blood, Holy Grail. And if you also get the book uh, Mary and Her Knights, you hear about the Mary Magdalene and her knights that became the Temple Knights, or that were the remnants, eventually became the Temple Knights. It's really weird because of the timeline, right? So the knights were the knights of Malta and that sort of stuff. These, there were, if you look at the different timelines, she had her own personal knights, and eventually they became the knights who went from France because she was some from France, and her children. She had a child named Sarah when she got there. Her children's descendants were the beginner, the people who started the um, Temple Knights. Okay, that's the fame. That's the fable. That's the storyline put down by these different books that Dan Brown read, that I read. And Dan Brown used that to say Priory of Sion, because you, once you start investigating that, that information is in there when they talk about Holy Blood, Holy Grail, and they tell you the book that they base that book on. You can get that book, and you can read it. And, I, and, and if you go down that rabbit hole, you'll understand uh, the Da Vinci Code far, far better uh, because you'll understand what exactly Dan Brown's trying to do in there and why and how. And then he went on with um, Angels and Demons. Okay, so they corrupt all the religions, is my point, and that was um, 
what's your name? So Lisa, Lisa's point, Lisa Mohammed. I know some Mohammeds, Lisa, from uh, the San Francisco Bay Area, Martinez. Are you in any way related to those Mohammeds? <coughs> Question. My godfather um, was, God rest his soul, was um, Ralph Mohammed, a very prominent man in the Mohammed family there. But I know Mohammed is like Smith and Jones, right? To to us Westerners. <laughs> or O'Rourke, uh, which I'm a part of that bloodline. My mother's maiden name was O'Rourke, and to the Irish, you, the, the name O'Rourke is, everybody is O'Rourke, right? Or O'Neill, uh, right? So, um, yeah, see, and Peter's, Mary Magdalene is buried in a, in a town called, uh, wh what is it, R Ramina? Yeah, Ramina, uh, Mexodus uh, School is buried under the, the underground at uh, Maximus uh, a Town of Truth. So, yeah, and, and they have her head. I've seen the skull uh, that they display once a year when they go through town and they have a, they have a, a, a festival for Mary Magdalene. So when yeah, so when she got there, she had a little girl with her. Her name was Sarah. Sarah in Hebrew means princess, right? And um, but she said she was her slave uh, girl. Oh, okay, so you're from well, that's where they were from too. So you're from Trinidad uh, in the Caribbean. They were that's where they came from originally, and they settled out here. So they might be related to you three or four generations ago. Uh, so yeah, there was they're still a prominent family in Martinez. Um, but yeah, Ralph was my godfather. In fact, he's the one who uh, got me um, into, well, he took me under his wing, uh, and I became a knight and was knighted by the church, fourth degree, uh, um, Knight of Columbus. Uh, and that's where I ended up with starting my ministry was by um, him, was his teachings. Uh, and then I ended up becoming a minister. I, I since have uh, distanced myself from the Roman Catholic Church uh, because of their pedophilia stuff and um, the rift in the Knights of Columbus where two million of us and they were split a million people following and protecting the church and a million of us trying to um, out the people within the church, which we have done since over and over and, and gotten justice for those children. Um, we have left and continued our ways as a knight without supporting the Roman Catholic Church anymore. So I don't support the church itself, but I support the ideology of spiritualism and embrace more of the Eastern Orthodox or, or um, Western non-Eastern Orthodox uh, ideology, which the Knights, uh, one of the reasons why they went after the Knights Templar as heretics was because of the exposure of your religion uh, on and the philosophy of your people uh, coming West. And when you look at all of the religions, I know this is off of the law of one, but it's not right when you look and I have said this and I'm sure you will agree when you take all of the ideology from all of these religions that are here on this planet right now and you throw away all the negative things that were um, um, put upon these religions by the crazy wackos and uh, you take all those out and you take away all the semantics of whether or not clergy can be men or women or whether or not women can do anything in the church or whether or not you can have uh, families or take all that away, throw it away and take the uh, Lutheran sort of perspective to Christianity in that road to where men and women should both be able to be clergy and they shouldn't have any problem with that. They should also be able to be married. Uh, so going down the Christian path, I would suggest that the Lutheran way uh, uh, only in that part of the philosophy, but other uh, parts of the Christian path have also gone very uh, modern and Western. That's why the Catholics will never have a uh, American Pope. 
because of the influence of Hindi and uh, Taoism and Buddhism, uh, because if you take all of those philosophies and you mix them all together, what you have now is what's really happening here in the United States and in the in Europe and most of the world now, where there's this blending of all of these ideas together, even with the the Viking uh, religions and the Celtic religions and the Greek religions have now come to a point where we start to understand. And that's why we're here. Right. But that's why we're t we understand that the whole. Um, yeah. See, yeah. Peter knows. I know the Irish mythology. O'Neill means means uh, a bowel in the front of the bowel in the front of the king of life and uh, find your truth. Right. And O'Neill means son of or bloodline of. And that goes back to nail of the long nine or nail of the nine houses. Right. If you go to the uh, gods of Ireland and it means in its base root champion. Right. <clears throat> so. So that's that's what the, where that name comes from, the, the, the ancient ways of the of the of the word. And he's going back as far as is the Celtic memory goes with with the bow in front of the king and find your true your truth. Kneel. Right. Kneel before the, the truth. And that's where that comes from, to take a knee, to be pious. Right. And, and that is your champion. Truth is your champion so that's that's where the the synonymous of of my word and then the crazy thing is that every part and i've talked to peter about this and i think he's why he's setting that up every part of who i am is what i am and, and everybody needs to understand that about themselves what i'm doing right now by going on the air and talking about the stuff i talk about is everything designed in my name in my family heritage my bloodline the time of, of day I was born, the month I was born in, the week I was born in, the day I was born on. All of it together aligns me to be doing what I'm doing right now. My, my born name is, is Leonard Edward Neal, Jr. That's my born name. Okay? And I changed my last name back to the original O'Neal <coughs> with the two L's because of the heritage of my of my dna my initials are leo leo my first name is leonard that means lionheart leo is the greek word for lion i am lionheart guardian protector champion of the people that is my name that is a title <coughs> i'm born of this earth on the Earth calendar, the original lunar calendar that we went by for most of the time before the 15th century on this planet, I would be a Leo. When I was baptized in the Christian faith, I was baptized Leonard Edward Gabriel Leo O'Neill after St. Leo. And St. Leo is the patron saint of messages, verbiage. And Neil, the champion, the Neil, he who kneels before the Lord finds the truth. That has, see that 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 is everything that I'm doing. The messenger of truth is the pious truth seeker, and that became me. So everything that I was uh, being born, where, how, when, all of that drove me to be in this existence at this time doing what I'm doing now talking to you on the air 
and I had no idea about it until I looked into it. And if you look into yourselves, each one of you will find that you're on a similar destiny because of everything that you are. And this is what Ra was talking about. The culmination of everything that you are predetermines and predestines you as to when you make this quantum jump to the fourth density reality and understanding. So Leo's ramblings were not just rambling for no reason. Leo's ramblings were to tell you exactly what I just did to get to that point to bring you back to what Rod just finished saying. I know sometimes I'm a genius even and I impress myself. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I had to be a Sheldon there and throw that in. But, right? Yes, right? Lisa says, yes, you are a speaker of, of truth for the people and warriors of uh, defenders of justice. Thank you. Well, that's 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 what I do. And there's a lot of us to do that. Peter is, is the same. There's a lot of us that that's what we came here for is to do just exactly that. Okay, to help. That's why we're here. And there's there's millions, millions of us that are here to do that. Peter says it was weird that you were talking about the Da Vinci Code. And it's playing on RTE1, wow, right, <laughs> on Ireland right now. Uh, you know, it, everything happens for a reason, Peter. I was looking at those red shoes, and that led me to talk about that, which had to do with the energies that Ra was talking about and the hidden energies of the conversation that we were talking about right here all the way up to now, including showing how they warped all of the religions, trying to make them evil, but it didn't work, and that we have now, and this is, goes back to the reason I called my show Orion Rising, my book Orion Rising, and my page Orion Rising, is because what does that have to do with anything? The constellation of Orion was, it was above the pyramids at the time of their building because the pyramids are mirroring the Orion constellation. I am from the Orion constellation. The soul that is in this in this body right here, right now, came here from the Orion constellation to stop the Orion Crusaders, who are the evil people trying to take this planet over and keep everybody held hostage. I have come here with a coalition of people, not just the only coalition of people, but a coalition of people nonetheless, who came here as a strike team to come here to do exactly what we're doing all around the planet. And there are millions, quite possibly billions, of us that are not even attached to the coalition that I'm with, that are with a different coalition, or here individually on their own to help. There's more likely more people individually than there are coalitions. And I'm not talking about the coalitions like on the planet and the coalitions off-world. We work with those coalitions, but like the IRA, we're designed to be a small cell groups so that if one of us gets captured and tortured, they only get three or four people. They'll never find all of us. That's why the IRA was, is now in charge of a government. Okay, because they never were caught. The only successful um, terrorist organization on the history of the planet that was never captured or killed. They were teaching, being hired by governments for the last 25 years to teach other people how to do that. When the United States government needed ISIS, guess who trained them? When the United States and the British government needed Al-Qaeda, Al -Qaeda, guess who trained them? Okay, I think we're going to call that, because we're at the end of this, uh, this thing here, so I think we're going to call it, because I'm also running along here, so I'm going to stop it here and not let that start. And we'll pick up at the second part of that next week, because where are we here? We're already 16 minutes over the hour.
Question so, 82.16. Questioner. I apologize. I Stop, please. Thank you very much. So that's where we'll begin next week. Okay. So, but see how all that plays into and everything happens. Uh, you know, for a reason, a lot of people, like I say, they, that what is going on in their life, like right now, they'll pop in, they'll hear this, and they'll go, wow, this was like, you were meant to tell me this message today. Well, I was. You were, you found me or this message today because there's a reason for it. You were, you know, this is where you're supposed to come in so that you go, wait a minute, this guy's not a nutball. He's not crazy. He's just actually talking from the heart and trying to do his bit, right, for king and country, whatever. I just thought that was funny. I'm looking at my phone now because that's where I'm monitoring the chat, looking at what Peter's right here. But, yeah, that's hilarious, right? So now the Da Vinci Code's on <laughs> television in Ireland right now. Small world, right? So, but, yeah, if you look at what books Dan Brown had accredited the, the Da Vinci Code to, the, two of the three of them I named for you. Um, yeah, three of them I named for you. Uh, and then there's another one. I can't think of the name of it. But if you look up Mary Inner, Inner Nights, right, or, or Mary Magdalene, uh, look up um, Holy Blood, Holy Grail. That's he based the, the Da Vinci Code directly off of that. And those guys um, got nods. T. Bing, Lee T. Bing is an anagram for uh, one of the guys uh, that wrote the uh, Holy Blood, Holy Grail. And uh, and then somebody else, another character in the in the um, movie is also an, another anagram for the other gentleman. Because there was two uh, English gentlemen who wrote Holy, Holy Blood, Holy Grail, and their book was based on a book that was written in the 1800s, uh, 1894 or 99 something like that I've ha had that book I don't have it anymore and I read that uh, and that all reiterates the story of Jesus and the, uh, the possibility uh, probability there I go talking like raw the possibility probability that Jesus was maybe didn't die on the cross uh, possibly wasn't even a real person um, moreover that he would have had to have been married uh, to be a rabbi rabbi means teacher and to be a teacher in that religion at that time being 31 years old he would have to be married and more than likely have children or children on the way because how can someone console me and teach me about family life and dealing with a spouse and not have one so it was against their religion so for him to have been called rabbi and it says people called him rabbi and followed him and that he was teaching in the mosque for him to do that he had to be a rabbi, and to do that, he had to be married with child. Some say, that's why if you watch um, the movie with Willem Dafoe, I don't remember what they called that, but it was the, the, like the Passion of the Christ, like the one with Jim Caviezel. This one was done where they showed the temptation at the end, and they showed that Jesus had children and was married. A lot of upheaval, a lot of bad things w about that in the media for him doing that, but that was actually in the Bible. Some versions was actually in the Bible. That was one of the that was the last temptation of Christ in this movie, the last temptation of Christ. They don't show him, I don't think, with a family. They might, but they did it in a different light and people didn't freak out about it. They were more worried about people being anti-Semitic over the whole thing when he was very specific in showing that it was the Pharisees alone. One in and, and in that group, a subgroup of, of even less people. There's like five or six guys in that group stacking the, you know, shaming the other people that they, they were going after Jesus. He was taking their money. So they were going after him. They went after him like they did Donald Trump over here in the United States. Worse, they strung him up, right? <laughs> Can you give me two more hours, Julie says. Can you give me two, two more hours? Uh, uh, 
She says, can you give me two more hours? I'm packing and cleaning movers on Sunday, meaning that you need two more hours of me talking to continue or come back in two hours when you have time to listen. Which which is it? Let me know. <laughs> hey, I'll come back on the air in a couple hours and we'll talk. Right. But, I, yeah, I don't know if I want to continue talking for another two hours. I know I can. You guys know that you can get me to go. And I do that. I'm a talker and I do have coffee in front of me and water. But now the reason for me coming early is so that I don't end up going uh, too late because I still have to cook dinner for mother because she doesn't really know how to do that stuff on her own anymore. Um, she's getting to that point. Um, that's why you don't well, want your DNA. You know, see how many people on the earth uh, have Jesus DNA, right? Exactly. Typo negative. Uh, yeah, that's why the vaccine. Absolutely. And uh, I am typo negative. Most of my family is typo negative. And as you know that, Peter, we've already had these conversations. Uh, being Celtic, um, you know, being European from over there, from Ireland, that's, you know, a good portion of the planet over there is, is typo negative. And it's, you know, it's, it's not like the rest of the world where it's only 10%. And, and then when you get into the southwest of Spain there, where it originated, there's, you know, there's, there's a city there where it's like, you know, 80% of the population is typo negative. And that DNA does not go back more than 10,000 years on this planet. Yes, we're, we're talking, Julie. So uh, just rewind it, right, and then and play it from the beginning, and you'll hear me talking all over again. That's funny. So you're, you're not going to fall out. You're, you're, you're wanting to get everything done. And so you're packing while listening to me. I, would, I wish that I had the energy to oblige that. Um, I'll, I'll, get on, I'll stay on here for a little bit, right, uh, but I don't know if I can do two hours. I'll fall out in two hours. It's, what time is it over here right now? It's five, uh, 5.20 here. And mom's going to start getting hungry in a little bit. So by 6, I'm going to have to get off for sure so that I can go do that. But I'll go for a little bit longer. Um, I'll try and I'll push it. That way you you can you can keep dancing around, cleaning and, and, and packing and uh, getting everything ready while you're hearing my ugly mug speak. Okay, so they, they corrupt all of this stuff. And then they try to, anybody who points it out, they try to destroy you. That That is, in, in essence, because of what you're hearing, uh, what Ra was talking about, that's kind of the, the, the whole secret there. The whole secret right there is, is that he's telling you how the Matrix works, how it got to where it is, and how it works. Okay, so... <laughs> this is no dancing. <laughs> I... I was just saying, you know, if you get into a cleaning, I used to get into a Zen. I'm very Zen driven, very Zen oriented. Um, and w when I was, I worked as a, as a uh, maintenance guy for the last 10 years because I was killing myself uh, working in retail as a general manager and a, and a district manager. It was killing me. Uh, my soul was slowly dying. So I decided to forget it. And I went to manual labor, man. I said, I'm just going to go and do something stupid that my body can just do. And I, I know that being in martial arts my whole life, there's a grace. There's a that's why I love Tai Chi. And I haven't started Tai Chi, but I'm going to start Tai Chi because Tai Chi is literally martial arts mixed with uh, with uh, a meditation. Uh, and it, the slow calculative movements of of Tai Chi um, is a lot of martial arts and it's a lot of discipline. And because of literally my whole entire life has been martial arts, um, I see it as, an, as the art form like a monk. I see it like the Shaolin monks. So everything is, to me, is a fluid motion. Um, I find myself even now, I'm 53 years old, and I'm getting the ice tray out of the freezer, and I'm cracking ice, and I'm going over, and I'm putting, the, putting water back in the ice tray. And, and as I'm walking back, I realize that I'm moving 
with an art form. I'm not just lumbering with this. I'm moving. And people look at me and go, how can you do that so effortlessly without spilling a drop? And I'm like, how can you not? Right? So everything to me is that way. So when I mop, um, I get into this, to this dance, this zen of mopping. When I vacuum, it's the same thing. When I, everything I do, it becomes effortlessly done if you are as efficient as your body will allow. This is why the Japanese did everything traditionally to perfection. No movement ever wasted, right? Look at Bruce Lee with his, with his chinkwindo. No movement wasted. Every movement is either an attack or a defense. It is always both at the same time. Okay, no movement wasted. So uh, that's why I was saying you would be dancing because to me that is a dance. If you're if you're moving and you allow your body to do what it naturally wants to do while doing that, you you burn far less energy if you stand the proper way. I learned that, you know, uh, young when I was you know, shoveling with a shovel. And if you're going to be doing that, like as a helper, digging, landscaping or anything, it takes a lot out of you. And you can wear yourself out ragged in less than an hour with bad form. Or you can allow your body to do the work for you, not fighting the earth, not fighting the shovel, not manhandling either, but working with your body and understanding that changing your grip and stance changes and balances your body. So when you're digging, I was taught at a very young age, there's different ways of digging with a shovel. Many. There should be four ways for every, whether you're right-handed or left-handed. And you should be digging with both hands. Okay? So if you're, say, if you're uh, right-handed, it doesn't matter. Say you have the shovel and that you're holding the shovel with the lower end in your right hand and the back of the shovel on the upper end, uh, you know, with your left hand. Now, if you stay only digging with that motion, you're pushing into the dirt until it resists and stops. Now you're torquing the stuff out using those muscles, lifting up, and now you're throwing it one way or the other to somewhere, then going back and doing the same motion. If you're only doing those three or four motions over and over and over repetitively, you're going to be out of gas and sore in 20 minutes. But if you change your grip and put your hand from under to over and the other hand the opposite from under to over or the other way around so that you're opposite each other, so you're under in the backhand, over on the front hand, and then you know, switch the other way around now, over on the backhand, under on the front hand, that changes your body and changes what muscles you use for the same motion. Now if you switch hands and do the exact same thing so that you have two more grips and two more styles of digging, you're using the opposite side of your body's muscles to do so. No movement wasted. Okay? When you go to dig, you put the shovel in the ground and instead of shoveling, pushing it until it stops, you set it there and step on it with your foot until your foot presses it in. Now you're using the weight of your body to lean forward. You can also take and, and uh, lean into it and put the shovel, your hand, on your own leg and lean into the shovel itself and shove the shovel into the dirt with your body weight instead of jabbing it with your upper body strength. No wasted energy, no wasted movement. These are the things that were drummed into my brain as a child. 
to, with everything. No wasted movement, no wasted energy. Find the ways that your body will do the work for you using gravity, if possible, and in preferable, over muscle. Martial arts are the same way. I would rather stand and get you mad at me and have you attack me than to have me attack you. Why? I use no energy, so I'm not going to waste energy. I use your energy against you. When you come at me, I move out of the way, changing my angle only. That's all the energy I just used. But then I assist your energy with your follow-through, control your energy, and change the direction of your energy, which throws you off balance. I then flip you onto the ground, and all I have done is redirected your energy. I still have plenty of energy. I got into a sparring match with this guy who was a Marine, and at, this was, I was 45 at the time, I think. He was 19. I didn't know that he was already a martial arts instructor. Okay, and my next door neighbor, he was wanting to, to uh, spar with him. He said, no, 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 but Leo's really good in martial arts. I'll go get him. I'd already been drinking, so I, I was a little off balance because of that, but I was also a little bit more relaxed. He comes at me, and he starts trying to toss me around. He's mixed martial arts. He's coming at me like a spider monkey. So I threw him around the garage for about, I don't know, 15 minutes or so when my neighbor's girlfriend looked at me and said, Leo, you're toying with him. She said, Leo's toying with him. And they're like, what are you talking about? No, he's not. And, and she goes, look it. She says, dude, whatever his name was, he's heavy breathing and sweating, and Leo's not even heavy breathing and he's not sweating. He hasn't been able to do anything to harm Leo in any way in the last 15 minutes. Leo is toying with him. Leo, admit it, you're toying with him. I said, yes, I am. And she said, this is boring. I'm going in the house. Because we weren't really sparring. She knew it. She's like, Leo can beat this guy's ass anytime he wants to. She's like, let me know when you get tired and I'll watch. I said, well, hang on. I'll do it you know, a little bit more and then I'll, I'll beat his ass. She was like, I'm going to go get a drink. You have at it. I'll be back. So she went. She came back about 15 minutes, probably 10 minutes later. She said, I had to go to the bathroom. Sorry. She goes, all right, kick his ass. And so he, he starts coming at me. And I just, at that point, decided fight was over. Right? It, in the process, he did break my thumb. This thumb broke that broke that thumb. I said, "You just broke my thumb." He said, "Well, you stuck it out there." And I was like, "Okay." So then I elbowed him in the face and cut his face open, uh, in his forehead. And um, as he was bleeding from the mouth and his nose and his forehead, he fell down to the ground and looked up and said, "Sir, I admit it. I'm done. You kicked my ass." <laughs> I said, "Here, let me help you up. Let's get you to a hospital and get some stitches in you." Right then, his girlfriend shows up and said, "Oh my God, what just happened?" Oh, Leo just tossed him around the the garage for the last 30 minutes and then got tired of him so he split his head open he needs to have stitches he says sure you're the greatest fighter i've ever fought and i said i was playing with you i could have taken you out like this the second you came at me and he says you know what's really fucked up and i said what he says i'm a drill instructor in the marine corps <laughs> i teach hand-to-hand -hand combat and you threw me around like a rag doll where did you learn this and i said here and there he said it wasn't here it must have been there i started laughing right that's a line from a movie he didn't really say that but i did say here and there um but that's because I'd been in martial arts my whole life. And like religion, I tried to learn everything I could about every single martial art there was to offer. 
even those fake ones that they have, the horse technique and pony technique and, and uh, scratch, crouching monkey and, you know, some of those are real, but most of them are not that you see in those movies. But some of those really are real. But the ones where they come at you fighting like a horse and, you know, that's, oh, come on, that's a cartoon. But there are a lot, a lot of styles, you know, that like Puma and, and Tiger and, and that kind of, those are real. Those are real, um, you know, even the snake techniques and stuff like that. Those are real. Um, so I tried to learn everything I could learn about every kind of martial art there was, right? Uh, and then when mixed martial arts hit and Brazilian jiu-jitsu popped up, I learned everything I'd learn about. Do I do it? No, I, I don't. I don't do it regularly, but I can. I have. You know, I, I remember another time. I know I'm just talking about my shit, but this is the perfection of movement that I'm talking about here. And that, and that if you do that with anything you do, uh, your body becomes a, your body wants perfection. Your body wants the Tai Chi. Your body wants the yin yang. Your body wants equilibrium. Okay, it, equilibrium is what water strives for. Your body wants that. So if you allow your body that grace, your body will do it. And when your body knows the motion that it takes, have you ever watched a cat jump up on something, right? It's like three, four feet up. They look up, they crouch, they wiggle their little butts, they look up at it, and they're judging the distance, height to weight ratio in their minds. And they cover that distance with exactly the amount of, of strength that it takes to leap up there and land softly, bloop, with all four feet, no matter the distance. They learn that over time. They, but in their minds, do they have mathematical equations going off? No, we would. You ever play pool? Right? You ever shoot billiards? Precision, mathematical precision with everything. Sometimes it becomes robotic, and people get kind of weirded out about that because they feel that it becomes robotic. But... The reason I bring all of this up, again, goes back to the logos. It goes back to the nature of the universe and how things work. That's why I brought up Tai Chi. That's why I brought up meditation, prayer. We were talking about that before, kneeling before the truth or finding the truth by kneeling before the king or something holy, kneel before God, right? And, and seek the truth. You seek the truth within, not without. Jesus was even trying to tell everyone that. Right? There's no Savior that's going to come and save you. They're like me. We're here. We're just not here as the sacrificial lamb that's going to be the next religion. Okay? But we're here. Millions and millions of us are here that are Jesuses. Billions if you count every one of us because we really are all a part of God. So even Jesus, Muhammad, Elijah, Moses, all of those people and every little peasant that ever lived everything that ever lived everything that is in the universe is the universe is this reality is this world cats dogs all of it trees this microphone the stone that this microphone was made of right because it's a rock it's a stone we just call it steel this one's aluminum but that's steel okay that's aluminum but they're all a, a rock that we heat it up and change the shape of to use it and then I'm using vibrations, and it's going in here into this, this little diode that we have that takes the sound. And that little thing was a grain of sand, a crystal, in the earth. And now it's vibrating and transferring the sound to your machine, which is then reconstituting that sound and putting the sound waves out for your ears to pick up to reconstitute into your brain. 
all of that is part of the original thought. All of that is what we all are. We are one. We are one. All of us. Okay. Julie, keep packing. That was Julie, right? I was packing, yeah. I'm going to get off here. Yeah, Julie, keep packing. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, Godspeed, right? Reese, what's up? I didn't see you there, buddy. Welcome. Um, okay. So share this out, guys. I know I came on the air early by an hour uh, than I normally would, but I'm, I'm trying to uh, keep the evening open so I can, as soon as I get down here, my brother will be calling soon if he's been working today. Uh, and uh, that usually happens while I'm on the phone with you guys or on, on the Internet with you guys. Uh, you know, if I start at 5, then over like now, he's calling between 6.20 and 6.45 somewhere. Uh, he didn't call yesterday, so he'll be calling today because we got a lot to talk about. Um, I know he will, and if he won't, uh, we'll still we, t we text it to one another a little bit. We usually talk every day. Um, he's doing today's Friday, so I don't think he's going to church today. No, I think he does that Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. Um, he goes to a, and he's an evangelical. Uh, he has this really, um, which is very, very much like the law of one these days. Uh, the Western evangelical churches have become very uh, integrated with Eastern um, philosophical thought, which is what I was alluding to before about the, the churches now and the religions. People are naturally gravitating towards understanding the whole, the one. And all of the churches were separated and in all of each of their Talmuds. It says that and that they were fragmented. And so you have all of these religions that seemingly are different on the outside, but they're not. They're all really the same. It's just a matter of semantics and a matter of perspective as to which place, but all of the spirituality is still the same. The truth is in here. It's ours to find, to seek, to find, and to discern. It's ours to use that knowledge the way we want to, the way it works for us, for our time for our individual journey and if that happens to be close to someone else's then that's when you end up clustering with other people and that's how churches are formed but I don't like the institution of churches because mostly they become a, a money-making um, corporation some of the the pastors most I would say are really there to help people okay I mean, but you got to eat Right. That's why I don't I don't say I would never do that. Never say never, because I, you know, at some point might go, I got nothing, or, you know, because I'm on Social Security. I need to get off Social Security. OK, I start applying for, uh, you know, for a for a parish, I go and interview and, and talk to the people about my past and my education. And if they think that I'm a good fit to be a pastor in their church, they might say, OK, let's give you a try. Right. Once they, you know, they, they, I have to find out from them, ascertain from them, what kind of curriculum do you use, that sort of stuff. Do you use the standard Catholic, you know, five-year plan that everybody uses? You know, the same, do you use that? If so, then I'm familiar with that. Uh, if not, I can get familiar with whatever it is you do. It's like being a retail manager. Every company you go to, they have a different computer system, but it all does the same thing. They have different registers, but they all do the same thing. So you just have to get a code and figure out what their system, how their system works, and you can interface your knowledge of products and, uh, you know, and the, the selling products, and you can sell anything, okay? So you just have to figure out what you're selling. What is the products that I'm selling, and what is the programming that you use for your computer, and, and how do you generate your uh, profit and loss margin, and what do you see and what do you use uh, to base that all on? That's all you need to know. 
that's why corporate heads can jump from corporation to corporation, company to company, and be CEO. You don't need to know much about uh, much stuff unless you're into whole industries like energy as opposed to crude oil as opposed to something else, car company as, as opposed to food industry. Those are those are differences, but they can on a on a level. You don't need to know a, a whole bunch about a bunch of stuff. As long as you surround yourself with people who know those things, you can pick those things up and rely on a strong staff. And you can you can come in. And that's why when they talk about Joe Biden uh, or Hunter Biden going to, to work for an energy company, he didn't know anything about energy. The truth is he doesn't really need to know anything about energy. If he's a good businessman, he can surround himself with people. That's why I kind of give, I, I look at Hunter and go, okay, well, he was still got, because of his name, got the job. But the truth is, I could do the same thing. I don't know anything about Ukraine. I don't know anything about that energy that they're doing, but I could go in there and run that company. It wouldn't take me long to pick up the slack to figure it out. I would bring in people who are experts on that, and I would say, you are my advisory staff. Teach me this. Show me what it is that I'm doing, and I will manage it for you. Okay, and that's what they do. That's what you do. You come in with a team who knows the shit and you are the mind behind the reins. I'm steering the horses. You guys just tell me where I'm supposed to be taking the fucking horses. Right. You map guy. Tell me when to turn right, when to turn left, when to speed up, when to slow down. Right. I'll control the horses. You tell me where to go. Now, you don't look at a pilot and say, well, he's the only one that could pilot and the co-pilot can't pilot. What What do you need that guy for? If this guy knew all the charts, he could do it by himself. Yes, but that's a lot of moving parts. So you have the guy who's the co-pilot or the guy who's the engineer or the guy. That's why the captain doesn't know how to work on the engines necessarily. He might, right? But he knows how to make decisions with the ship. He knows how to keep everybody alive, not in combat or alive in combat, make it out of combat. Do you see what I'm saying? He doesn't know how to, how, how, how do you build a phaser? Don't care. Just keep them, Scotty, keep them running, right? You have a staff for that. That's why I look at Hunter and go, guys, on that level, he's on the board of directors. I mean, it would be good. It would be helpful if he had a background in energy because then he would be a guru. But if you hire the right people to sit there and talk to you in your ear, my lawyer says that's why you hire a lawyer. You don't lawyer yourself. You hire a lawyer, and he whispers in your ear, tell them you can't say anything. My lawyer is telling me that I cannot tell you the answer to that. Tell them that you were pleading the fifth. I will have to plead the fifth on that. Tell them I don't recall. I don't recall. Right? That They look at the lawyer. I don't recall. I mean, you got to look at the lawyer for him to tell you you don't recall? That tells us that you fucking recall. But you can't prove that in court. I don't know what he's talking about. What's he saying? Oh, I don't recall. That's why you have the lawyer. The lawyer knows the lawyer jargon and the lawyer speak in the law. His job is to whisper in your ear so you don't get into trouble. Say this. Don't say that. Say this. So if I went to work on the board of directors for a law firm, well, he doesn't know anything about the law, right? But he's got five guys with briefcases next to him who are telling him what to say. He's the one making the decisions of where the co- direction of the company and stuff like that because he can do- make those decisions and solve those problems. So I give Hunter a kind of a pass there, guys, because if you look at things from an actual perspective, the truths that we cling to depend greatly on our perspective, right? So... You have to understand when you get on the board of director size, you don't know anything about that. He got the job clearly because he's a Biden, clearly because he would have the ear of his father. Okay, true. But it doesn't mean he has to know what everybody claims. He doesn't know anything about energy. What the hell is he doing? Making fucking decisions. That was his job. Okay. 
making decisions to keep the company afloat. That was his job. He doesn't have to know anything about energy to do that. You got people around you that know energy, and they say, no, 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 yeah, that's a, if we do that, what you're suggesting, that's a good idea, so tell them that. Why don't we just do this? Right? Little girl, which I, here in, in the state of California, there's probably stories like this everywhere. There's tunnels here uh, that go between um, the city of, of Lafayette and the city of Oakland as you're going towards San Francisco. And you've got to, you used to have to drive up and over the mountains. They put tunnels through. This big semi back in the day got caught in the tunnel. And they were trying to pull it out of the tunnel. They were there for hours trying to figure out how to pull it out of the tunnel, how to get it out of the tunnel and pull it, pull it with another tow truck, and they couldn't get it to budge. Nothing happens. The people are driving by going in the other tunnel. Everybody's going slow because of the cones and, and seeing what's going on. This little girl rolls down her window and says, let the air out of the tires. Freaking little girl, eight years old. Let the air out of the tires. Everybody stopped, looked at that little girl, looked at each other and said, are you kidding me? Walked over and let the tires, let the air pressure out of the tires, and guess what? The truck wasn't stuck in the tunnel anymore. They just backed it out. That little girl didn't know anything about engineering. She didn't know anything about spatial anomalies. She didn't know anything about that semi, the strength of it, the strength of the walls. She just knew it was stuck. And logically, if you let the air out of the tires, it shrinks down. It won't be stuck in the tunnel anymore, and they can pull it out. She got that. She didn't know anything about engineering. She didn't know anything about mechanics, towing. She didn't need to. She looked at the problem and said, we'll let the air out of the tires. Do you understand? So sometimes you don't need to know everything about that to be able to do it, right? Sometimes you have to trust the guy. You know, John Madden used to say that to the football players in Oakland when he was the Oakland Raiders head coach. He would say, don't worry that the horses are blind. Get in the coach. I'll drive the horses. You guys just get on board. That was his analogy to you don't need to understand what's going on in my head. I'm the guy, the mastermind. You guys just get on board and trust me that I'm going to get you there. John Gruden has the same ideology. Understand how I think, and you'll understand what I'm trying to do. Buy into what I'm telling you. And we will win. And that's why his quarterback it has stuck to him like a guru. If he's smart, he'll do that and he'll learn because John Gruden learned from some of the best coaches on the face of the earth in his lifetime. That's why he's become a head coach. That's why he's won a Super Bowl. That's why he's going to win another Super Bowl. Okay? Because of the breeding that he had and the experience that he gained from people. I don't need to be the head coach. If I could play for him and was young enough, I would play. I would buy into it because what he demands, though, is high energy output at all times, no wasted energy, right? 100% all out until you can't do it. That's what you got to do in hockey. No wasted energy. All right, guys, I forgot to plug in my phone. My phone's about to die. I'm sitting here the whole time with my phone on with no power going to it. All right, guys, so um, now we're at almost a two-hour mark, so I'm hearing my mother getting restless in the kitchen outside the office over here. So I'm going to call it for the evening. We'll be back next Friday to do the Law of One. So I wasn't really rambling. I know some of you were like, oh, my God, he's rambling. Listen to the content of what we are talking about and what I was talking about and how that pertains to the energy of this place that we're at. If you're not fighting 
the place. If you're not fighting against your body and you're not fighting against everything, everything flows better. So let your body do what it wants to do. It wants to reach that point of equilibrium in everything you do. If you do that and you do it with grace, see, I had to have been a, a Japanese samurai, right? Because I, I believe that. The, the, the Shaolin monks believe that. The people who are successful with the art form of war understand that, even in conventional real warfare. You have to understand that everything that you do has to have a purpose, and you can't do anything wasted. Everything has to be perfect, no wasting of anything, and every movement has to mean something. And if it does, you win at everything you do. You don't have to be 100% perfect, but allow your body the opportunity to be as close as it wants to be. And things become less strenuous, and when you're doing something, it becomes less hassle-full. You're no longer fighting it. I was walking. I was a lot larger at one time. I was 486 pounds. I was almost 500 pounds. And moving that body at that weight is a, is a difficulty. Okay? And because you're fat, you're always off balance. So fat people end up with really good balance. And when we lose weight, we have even better balance because we've been balancing a lot of jiggling weight. So fat people usually, you might see fat people fall down sometimes, but most of the time, we're pretty freaking graceful. Fat people can dance like crazy. What is the deal? It's because we have more balance and better balance because we have to achieve that with our bodies to function. So as we lose weight, we then have better functionality because we've had to have had that control. We don't, you don't ever really lose that. Your balance stays the way that it was. I remember working with a guy, and he was the same way. He was at the time. I was like 350, and he was probably 400, you know, or, or but he's standing on a picket fence six feet up, standing on a two-by-four, working on a garage awning that they were building. And he's standing there walking along this, not looking down at where he was and never losing his balance on a wood fence that is moving as he's moving and vibrating. So that's like when you get your sea legs. Once your body, you allow your body to understand the movement of the, of the water and how the boat's moving, you then move normally to that. Your body reaches that equilibrium. That is the way the universe works. Everything that we just heard Raw talking about was talking about that torus, the three, six, the nine, the spiral that is the building blocks of the universe, that is the logos and the sub-logua, sub-logos, the word, the creation. It's within us. It is us. We create that. We are that. We are one. We are a piece of the one. We are the one. We are our own savior. Therefore, we are the creator here, each of us. But it takes all of us collectively to make something so because we've designed that into this place that we have to work together for all of perfection to be perfect. It is anyways. And it is uh, despite us, happening around us constantly. And when you tap into that and understand that is when you expand your mind to that 4D reality that is what we're going to become.
Okay, that's enough for today. We'll talk again next Friday when we pick up the second part of it. Love you guys. Love every single one of you. Please send this out to people or at least talk to people about it. And if people, you know, if they look at you and go, okay, you're crazy. Well, it's not their time. Move on. We're not, our job isn't to convert the planet. I'm not here to convert the planet. I'm just here to help you guys remember what it is that you've forgotten. All right. Have a great night.